Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, so glad you guys are here. You picked a great, great week to be here because we're talking about money. And everybody loves when somebody, no, yes, no. Where was the woo and excitement in that? Not, not, not quite that much. And here's, here's the title of this series. It's called Money Talks. And we've been looking at what our money says about us, the way that we spend it. We've kind of been looking at what our money would say if it could talk, like, see you later, or don't you wish you had more, you know, what, whatever that might be. And uh, the first week, we really talked about money is a tool. It can be a blessing, but it's a tool, so we have to know how to use it. And simple tools to use it, we talked about budget, we talked about debt, we talked about co-signing, some simple things around finances. And then last week, we talked about stuff. We, we talked about stuff, and we said, you know, money is great, but it, can, it, it really can just almost get overwhelming sometimes, the amount of stuff that we had. And we really said, what if less is more? What if we had less of what doesn't matter and more of what does? Less stress, more peace. Less stuff, more time with friends and family. And really just looking at what that would be like. And this week, we're talking, we're going to continue talking about, well, first, I think the best way to, maybe the better way to introduce today's subject is if I could have somebody who would be willing to jump up here and help me. But real quick, before you say you want to come up here, you have to have a wallet. Okay, and we're talking about money. Now, we're not going to look in your wallet, but I need you to have a wallet. If you're willing to jump up here and you have a wallet, is there anybody who's willing to jump up here who has a wallet? There, I see people pointing at other people. <laughs> and they're, like, they're like, three guys are over here. And they're like, well, maybe I would. Chris is just coming up here. That's great. Okay, now I need one more person, and you don't need a wallet. Who else? Okay, come on up. That'd be great. That would be great. Come on up. You can take the big step or there's steps all the way over here that might be a little bit easier. All right. What's your name? Chris. Chris. Okay, we've got Chris and, and what's your name? Claudia. Claudia. Okay, so Chris, you've got a, he's already got his wallet out. Good job. Thank you so much. Claudia, do you have a wallet with you today? It's down there? It's not on you right now, so you don't have? No. No, no, you don't need it, Claudia. Okay. All right. So for our illustration this morning, Chris is Chris, and he has money. Claudia is Claudia, but she doesn't have any money. But, Claudia, you're going to be our banker today, okay? All right. So, Chris, what do you do when you go to the bank? Do you, you probably give them your money, right? Yeah. All right. Why don't you give Claudia your wallet for me? Just the whole thing. Will you hold that? <laughs> Just give that to her? Okay. All right, that's what we do, right? We go to the bank, maybe it's a check, or maybe for you it's just direct deposit, it goes in there. Doesn't that make it almost like, I don't know if it's pain, more painful or painless, because the money's just there, and then it's gone again, and you're like, what, and where, and wasn't I supposed to get paid, and oh, it did, and it's already gone. But you go to the bank, and, and typically you go back to the bank. When you go back to the bank, you can, can you ask for your money back? Yeah, right? You're like, you stored it, you held it for me, now I'll like it back. So go ahead and ask for your wallet back. Can I have my wallet back? Say no. I didn't even have to tell her. I didn't even have to tell her. She's like, not happening. Keeping it. Now, would you have a little bit of a problem if you went to your bank and they were like, oh, I'm sorry. 
the place was looking a little shabby and run down, so, and we noticed how much money you have, so we just took a little bit from you. We're just going to spice things up a bit. We spruced it up, made it look nice. Would you be a little bit upset? Would the temperature in the room maybe go up a couple degrees? <laughs> You're just like, at all? Because what is this person supposed to do? Claudia, is Claudia supposed to use Chris's money for what she wants? No. No, definitely, definitely not. What Claudia is supposed to do is if Chris wants it back, she gives it back, right? So go ahead and ask for the money back. <laughs> yes, there we, there we go. Okay, see, that's the idea. Now, we're familiar with that. We're familiar with that. But what we're not familiar with is the word stewardship. If you grew up in church, like you hear the word stewardship and bells go and alarms go off and you're like, building fund, fundraiser, like here, here it comes, this is what it is. But here's what stewardship in a very general sense means. A steward, Claudia was a steward at the bank. She's a steward of Chris's money. She holds it and she might do some stuff with that money, such as lend it out or other things that banks do, but ultimately it's Chris's money. And if Chris wants it back, Claudia needs to give it back. She's a steward of Chris's money. Hey, Claudia, Chris, thank you guys so much. Give him a big hand. You guys can head back down. <laughs> she says, she says, I gave you a little more in there. I don't, I don't know about that. If so, she's really good and I've got a wallet too. Um, that, would, that would be great. But that's really what we're talking about today is this idea of what stewardship is. And I talked to a few people before this morning and I said, what do you think when you hear stewardship? This one guy goes, Nothing. <laughs> He's like, nothing. And I talked to a few different people, and really, it's not something that we talk about or hear very often. But the concept is something, like I said, that we're familiar with, that somebody else, when we go to that bank, we know they're taking care of that money for us. If you have a retirement account, they're stewarding that for you. You're telling them what to do with it. If they make moves that you do not tell them to do, you're like, no, I did not say do that. Why did you do that? Unless it was good. Then you say, okay, I ain't going to talk about it. But you, they are a steward of that. Well, this is what 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So how much is the Lord's? Is it like a little bit, a lot, or is it everything? Everybody say everything. That was a really easy one. Good. Let's try it one more time. Say Everything. Exactly. Everything is the Lord's, and we are stewards of it. So when we talk about stewardship in, in the context of church, in the context of Christianity, of being a Christian or a Christ follower, we're really looking and we're saying stewardship is the active allocation of our resources, our time, our money, our possessions, everything, for the furtherment of the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about using what we have, what God has entrusted to us to further the kingdom of God. Psalms 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. It's all his. But I think sometimes it's easy to not see it that way, to see it as really like, well, actually, I think it's mine. 
and to, and I've caught myself even taking credit. Taking credit. You know, when, when I give something away or I'm like, I go above our tithe. You know, we do the, we, we've done that forever. I grew up, it's never, it's always been the norm for me. The first 10% goes to church. That was, goes to my church. I always knew that. I was like, this is what I do. That was easy. That was normal. I saw it in scripture. It made sense. But then the above, I was like, yeah, I'm killing it. Like, this is great. I just did above, or I supported this missionary, or we supported this, and we got married, and, and this is what we're doing above, and this was great. But really, it's all his. And I saw a Seinfeld episode that I really think painted a picture of what can sometimes have been my attitude. And in this, in this episode, George buys a salad, and he's bringing it back for his friend, the one with the, the hair. You can tell I didn't watch Seinfeld a lot, but uh, what was her name? El- Elaine, thank you. Elaine with the hair. And, and they walk into Jerry's apartment, but his friend was with him, and she was carrying the salad that George bought for Elaine. And she walks in and hands the salad to Elaine, and when she does, Elaine says, oh, thank you. And in response, this lady just goes, oh, you're welcome. And George is standing behind her, and he's just like, what, 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 what? And after they leave, he says to Jerry, he goes, did you see what just happened there? And Jerry's like, what? What? He's like, she stole my thank you. I paid for the salad, and she took the thank you. She didn't divert. She didn't dodge. She just stole my thank you. And he just goes off. And that's like the episode is him going off about the big salad and how he didn't get his thank you. But I saw that, and to me, it just jumped out. Like, is that a picture of me sometimes? Where I give something away, and I'm like, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I did that. When really... I'm a steward, and it's all God's. I'm a steward, and it's all God's. I was reading some different stories and as I was researching and getting ready for this, and, and here's the thing. Stewardship is going to look different for everybody. But here's some really cool stories of how some people decided that they wanted to be stewards of what God had given them. The first one comes, when I was a teenager, I got to sit in, and a guy came to my church and talked about what he had got had laid on his heart to do and how to steward what he was given. And he said this. He was an elderly gentleman at the time. And he said, years ago, he said, I felt God tell me that I needed to set my salary. He said, really, to cap my salary at $50,000. He says, and so that's what we did. And he's like, and honestly, you'd be surprised, but you can live really well. On $50,000, he says, well, you don't have a lot of debt and a lot of things. He says, and then we gave away everything above that. And he said, and I've given, he says, my wife and I, we've given over a million dollars away to missions. He says, because that's what God had called us to do. And I sat there and I was like, that is so cool. Now, again, stewardship is going to look different for everybody. But it's still stewardship. Another story, a guy in 1985 decides, his name is Alan, and I'm going I'm to kind of read some of this so I can get a little bit of the details. It was actually 1986. He became a, began a partnership with his brother, and they took what was the family business and kind of redid it and, and decided, we're going to take this a lot farther. And this is what he did. He says, I'm going to cap my salary at $140,000. He says, and we're going to give away, we're going we're gonna to promote ministry. We're going to give to the ministry everything above that. 
So he and his brother said, yep, let's do it. Alan capped his salary, $140,000. The first year, they were able to give away $50,000 to ministry. By 2000, the company had given, that giving had risen to a million dollars a year that they were able to give away. In 2005, they set a goal as a company to give a million dollars away in one month, and they hit it. And they've hit it every month since then that they've been able to give away. I thought that was awesome. But I look at that story, and here's what I think. He decided in 1986 that this was what he was going to do before he had a whole lot. It was just starting. They said he and his wife really thought they were going to go into ministry and actually as missionaries, but as this came up, they were praying about it, deciding what to do, and said, this is what we're going to do, and we might not ourselves go as missionaries. He says, but we can fund missions all over the world. Let's do it like this. I think those stories are amazing. But here's the thing. Stewardship is not going to look the same for everybody. I am, there's not a little piece of paper underneath your chair. They're not, you see through, like you can see it. We're not asking for a commitment today. I'm not asking for you to like write down what you should cap your salary at and give everything else away. That's not what I am doing. But what I do want to do is to change your perspective and hopefully help you to see that everything that we have is God's. And one day we're all going to stand before him and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? If you tithe, that's great, but that does not mean, and all of us should, but that does not mean, okay, God, I gave you your 10, the 90's mine, I'm going to do what I want with it. It's all His. It's all His, the whole world and the fullness thereof, and we steward it. So how do we want to use it for the kingdom of God? And it's going to look different. Every one of you, it's going to look different. It's not going to look the same. You know, I was raised... When it comes to money, I was raised, and I don't even remember, we were looking at houses, and, and I don't know why, but this is it. Dad's like, you never want the nicest house in a neighborhood. And some of you are like, that's right. And this was just drilled. You do not want the nicest house in a neighborhood because when you do, you have the nice house. All the houses around you, they drag your value down. You want the junky house so that the other houses raise the value up. And I have that. I have the junkie house in my neighborhood, and all the other houses raise it up. It works. It's true. It works, it works, it works. But here's the deal. As I was reading this, there's one story that I absolutely loved because that was so drilled into me. There was this book called God and Money. These Harvard guys wrote it, and this is what they decided to do. The guy decided, he goes, I've seen too many of my friends move into neighborhoods that they could afford, yes, But their simple vacations suddenly become lavish. And the cars that they used to drive, they aren't as nice as the neighbors. So all of a sudden, they do a little bit more. And I watch their lifestyles just jump and make leaps because of where they live. And he says, so this is what I decided to do. He said, I decided to have the nicest house in the neighborhood. He said, I decided to live in a neighborhood where typically the income would be lower so I would not be tempted to keep up with the Joneses, where my family's lifestyle would fit 
in what we wanted to. And this is another couple who they were like, hey, this is how much we want to make. And they were capping not just their, their salaries, but they were also capping like, where do we want to be in retirement? We're not going to put, it's not a 15% or a, a wage that we're going to put in here, but we want to say that if this is what we need, we're going to give away everything else. Let's use it to build the ministry now. Let's decide what we're going to do, and then let's just do the rest. Let's do the opposite with the rest. And I've read about couples who did something completely different, where they said, we're going to reverse tithe. We're going to give away 90, and we're going to live on 10. And they're living in New York, reverse tithing. I thought that was amazing. But that's what God called them to do. And we all have different things. We talk about this all the time, that you have a gift and you have a passion. So how can you use the resources, the time, the energy? And it's not, if, if all you hear is money, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're missing what I'm saying. Time is, such a, time is a more precious resource than money is. You can earn money. You can spend it. You can lose it. You can lose it all, and you can start all over again. When time's gone, it's gone. Please understand, the most precious resource that we have is time. It is not money. And we do not take it lightly. Even the amazing dream team, there's over 100 people who come week in and week out to make this happen here. And they give of their time, both on Sundays and midweek. And we do not take that lightly because they are giving of the most valuable thing that they have. Because when that's gone, it's gone. You want to know why I hate going to the dentist? Because I go in there and I schedule an appointment and they tell me to be there and then they waste my time by not <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you're going to be in like 20 minutes from now. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're wasting my time. And I've got to have a book. I've got to have something like this. I cannot get back. Please, if all you hear is money, time, your energy, your words, your relationships, we can leverage those for the kingdom of God. Oh, we most definitely, definitely can. As we were starting church, there were so many people who leveraged relationships to help make this happen. People that I went to and we talked to them about what we were wanting to do and the passion that God had laid on our heart. And they said, we'd like to do and we'd like to help you support. We'd like to support you in that. I said, great. Now, who else do you know with money? And they go, what? I'm like, do you know anybody else who would be excited about what we're doing and want to help start this? And there was over and over and over people like, yes, you need to talk to this person. Go talk to this person. Go connect with this person. Go talk to this person. They use their relationships. There's so many different things that we can do. So many different things. And I've got a really short video. I've got about a three-minute video I want you to watch about a couple who decided how, what they were going to do. How are they going to leverage what they had to build the kingdom of God and to be a blessing to those around them? Can we show that video, guys? Maybe not. If it's not working, it's not working. That's okay. All right. If we're having some trouble with it, that's, that's understandable. Oh, there it is. This is great. My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repair man comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, this looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. I was born in Bangkok. Bangalore, India. Connecticut. I was born in Romania. Ethiopia. Which is in Africa. In China. <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal, and I am the brakes. Over and over she'll say, I found this child who 
needs X and Y and Z, and all we'd have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect this dot to here, and it'd be done. We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools, and you can't do that with a big family, but if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us. They thought we were gonna ruin our lives by taking all these special kids, and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience and we didn't really know how to raise them, but you, you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love and they, they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose. It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually gonna give you true peace and happiness. And the pure joy that will come from a, a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine. We talk about adoption. We tell them they're adopted and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that. It kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted, your parents looked out at the whole world and picked you. You think that they don't really know the gravity of them being rescued or saved. Then you'll see them in an external setting, like one of them is in front of 300 people last Friday night, and he tells people that he probably wouldn't be alive if he hadn't been adopted by his family. Those are the, like the goosebump moments when you go, He's got it. do something. Everything. There's so, so much. But here's the thing that I think stops many of us, is we think this, what I have isn't much. What I have isn't much. And we can look at needs, and we can say, that's a huge need, but what dent would I put in it? That's a huge need, or would I really be able to help, or how much would it really impact? What impact would I really have? And I want to read this to you. John 6, verse 3. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw this huge crowd had gathered toward, came toward him. 
He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite. Big need, right? The need is huge. The need is huge. Another disciple, Andrew, Simon, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He goes, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? I think that's the thought that for some reason stops so many of us. How far will it go? How much? You know, what I have is just this, and the need is so big, or where do I get started? What I have is so small. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in the place, and they all sat down. About 5,000 were there, 5,000 men. So they're not counting the women. They're not counting the children. We know there were kids. The little, you'll find out that there's at least one here in just a minute. So there's a ton of people. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same thing with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Here's the thing I see in that. When we hold on to what we have, when we hold on to what we have, it's never enough. What if that little boy would have held on to those fish and bread? What would have happened? Nothing, right? Nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. But he gave it, and he gave it to God. And when he did, it got blessed. And as a result, it multiplied. It multiplied. When we give it to God, that's what happens. He blesses it. He gave it to Jesus. Jesus blessed it. He gave it to God. It had his blessing. The way that we do that with what we have is through the tithe. We give that to God, and God blesses the rest. God blesses the rest. Romans eleven sixteen. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits, first fruits is literally another word for tithe. He says, if that's holy, he says, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. He says, if that is, then the rest is holy as well. That's how we, God blesses. That's why I love hearing about people getting their finances straight and beginning to tithe because then God's blessing is on his way. When we do it his way, his blessing is there. His blessing is there. So this boy gives it to Jesus. Jesus blesses it, and then he hands it out. He gives it to the disciples, and he says, go hand this all out. Now, what, if, what, what would have happened if Andrew, instead of handing this all out, would have just started to eat it? I don't think it would have multiplied. But it's when he did, and he went out and he did what he could. He handed it out. When we give it to Jesus, when we hold on to it, it's never enough. It's never enough. So here's what I would say. Start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start with something. And I would ask that everybody in here prayerfully consider, say, God, if all I have is yours, what should I be doing with it. What can I do with it? Is it opening your home up to the neighborhood? Is it something you can do with, with neighborhood kids? Something, maybe something specific with where you live? Maybe it's your time. 
Maybe it's time. You say, God, it's yours. What can I be doing more with my time to give that to you? On average, you want to know what they say? They say that we as Americans watch three hours and 58 minutes of TV a day on average. And yet we find time to spend over three hours on our phone average every single day. We don't have, I don't have TV, we don't do TV, but I've got Netflix. And I know with that one, I'm horrible. I can get sucked in. And when I get sucked in, it's like, hello, 2 a.m. Like, it is, it's bad. It's bad. I either don't watch anything or I just sit there. And I'm, I'm horrible. I even like fast forward through them. I can't even watch a whole episode. I'm like, boring. I just want to know what's happening. Like, it's, it's awful. I know you would, hate every, you would hate to watch with me. That 10-second button is not fast enough. I'm like, Bleh. But I'm horrible with it. I'm horrible with it. Because literally, 2 a.m., I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, okay, how can I do this? Our time, what is it that we can be doing with our time? Pray and ask God. Say, God, how can I leverage what you've given me for your kingdom? And start today. Start today. Here's the thing. When it comes to starting today, I think of investing in retirement. Because somebody showed me this years ago. Years, 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 years ago. They showed me this, and it's from Dave Ramsey. And he calls this the teenage millionaire. And throw that up here if you can, if we can find that one. So here's what it is. This is what would happen if somebody at the age of 19 invests $2,000 until they're 26. So what is that? Eight years. And they never invest another penny. It grows. I forget the interest rate. I think it's something like 10 or 12. When he's 65, he has $2.2 million dollars. Then he says, let's look at the exhibit B, so to speak, over here. It's Arthur. Arthur doesn't invest anything until he's 27, but he invests $2,000 every year until he's 65. Guess what he has? 1.5, way, way less. And he put in so much more. Here's the thing. Start today. Reach somebody today. Impact today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Pray about it and say, God, what can I be doing today? Who can I be reaching? How can I be leveraging the time, my influences, my relationships? Maybe there's somebody that you've been holding back and you've been hesitant about sharing your faith and why you have this joy and, and the way, why you live the way that you do. And you've been hesitating. Don't wait another day. Do something today because here's the thing. If you wait till tomorrow, if we invest today, spiritually, we get the greatest return because Jesus is going to come back or we're going to die. One of the two. And there's going to be a cutoff. There's going to be a cutoff where it's over. But if I invest into the kingdom of God today, just like it gives, just like a financial investment today gets so much longer to grow, the same is true in the kingdom of God. If I invest today, it gets that that investment of time, of resources, of, of money, whatever it is, if I invest in that today, if I tell that person today, that relationship, it grows. And say that one person tells, you know, you tell two and they tell two, right? You tell two people, you share with two people the kingdom. You share with two people the difference that living, that God, the living God has made for you. And they go tell two. And those two tell two. And those two tell two. And those two tell two. In 20 years, over a million people have been impacted because you told two. 
Start today. Start today. Because who knows when Jesus is going to come back? Who knows what's going to happen? What if he comes back in 18 years? What if he comes back in 23? You start today and more people can be impacted. There's so much that we can do. I pray that you are encouraged to look at what you have and to say, God, I want to leverage it for your kingdom today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. If it's finances, maybe it's finances. It's all his. But say, God, how can I leverage what you've given me for your kingdom to have the biggest impact? Because here's what I want. I want one day you to just stand before God. And when you get up there, you just can't wait to see. You're just going to want to walk up and say, God, show me the impact. Show me the impact that my generosity with my time or telling that person or helping that person, show me the impact that it had because I want to see. Because we will never know how far the ripples reach, how far the dominoes have tipped until we go to heaven. But as we're here today, the most important thing that I could tell you today is this. Do you know where you stand with God? Because you can know. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just a moment, please? If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, I'd love the honor of praying with you in just a few minutes. If that's you, if you say, you know what? I was living for God, but I turned my back on him, and today I want to come back. I want to give him all of me. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. And you can begin this journey with God. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. I came to give you life to the fullest. That's why he came. It's not so that we couldn't enjoy anything. No, so we can have life to the fullest. So if that's you, either one of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. In Romans, it says this. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. So if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, and on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up, and then we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God, that your sins are forgiven, and begin to walk out the plans and the purpose that God has for you. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Awesome. Shoot your hand up high. That's me. God, I want all you have for me, hands down. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I would just ask that everybody would repeat after me. Those that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. Here we go. Everybody, everybody repeat it for me. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. And thank you for rising again to bring me freedom. And God, I want you. I give my life to you. From now on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.